are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. First thing I want to talk to you about today, I want to talk to you about the live fantasy show here at the Locked On Podcast Network. If you have fantasy football questions you need answered before your draft, don't miss the Locked On Fantasy Live on Wednesday, August 18th at 9 p.m. Eastern, streaming on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. Subscribe now so you don't miss it. Our stable of all fantasy experts, we have a whole bunch. You can also catch them on Tuesdays at Locked On NFL, where I'm a co-host. They will answer your questions live, or you can even submit them ahead of time to at Locked On Network on Twitter. I am your host, your pal, in the Kitty Copied Off in Math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL, and the show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And um, so we got a game to break down, and that sounds like it should be exciting, but boy, howdy, was that a catastrophe of a game. Vikings lose 33-6 at U.S. Bank Stadium in their preseason opener. First time fans get into the stadium to watch the Vikings play real football against a real team, even though it, you know, it's preseason football. Uh, you kind of hoped for more than that. But what happened was the Vikings sat a total of 33 players inactive for the game, including basically everybody you could even remotely argue is a starter, all the way from the actual starters, Daniel Hunter, Kirk Cousins, Harrison Smith, all those guys sat, um, but also down to the Alexander Madison and Chad Beebe and Nick Vigil, kind of guys that are, you know, rotational jobs that and some of them haven't even really won that job yet, but guys who are kind of the the incumbent or the chalk kind of guy that would get that job leading to a great opportunity for you know younger roster guys all the other wide receivers to overtake Chad Beebe get an opportunity for Dakota Dozier who played in the game to maybe overtake Oli Udo who did not play in the game kind of insinuating that he is holding the starting job right now but alas it was a total catastrophe and I've seen a lot of people kind of just on on the whole get really really upset about that the way the game went and look it was not a fun game to watch you know if you went and bought tickets if you went all the way down to Minneapolis and you, you went to U.S. Bank Stadium and you, you were disappointed with what you saw Sure, you know, be mad about that and be mad about the decision to rest starters, which I don't know if that's the best call, but a lot of teams have been reacting differently to the uh, loss of a preseason game. They only have three now from here on out. So some teams are treating it like the first preseason game. Some teams are treating the first preseason game. You know, some teams are sitting a bunch of starters. The Packers basically did that. A couple of other teams did what the Vikings did, and we'll kind of see if there's any edge gained. Um, I personally, I kind of think, and I think it was Ben Lieber maybe was, was saying this on uh K-Fan after the game. You, I, I kind of want to get those guys just to get them in pads and get them in for one series, just so they kind of take it seriously. Uh, even though you're only really losing out on what it, what, it, what would it have been one series, two series, um, kind of sucks that those guys just kind of sat and will be that much less ready for football when actual meaningful football comes around. But in terms of the actual outcome of the game, I do think it's a valid excuse. I mean, basically every player that will play significant snaps for the Vikings did not play on Saturday. You had like DJ Wanham, Stephen Weatherly, Armin Watts, Cameron Dantzler, like those are kind of it. And I'm already kind of grasping at straws calling, you know, Armin Watts a guy who will get like meaningful playing time in a bad game, by the way. So I want to start with the quarterbacks, and there's only two quarterbacks that played, Jake Browning and Kellen Mond. No Danny Etling time this time. Um, and Jake Browning was uh, hideous. He 
basically, I mean, basically the Vikings like only ran quick game this whole time. So it was a very short game oriented, very conservative offense. I don't know what the point of that decision is. Maybe they just wanted to run it a lot. Um, or maybe that's just the only thing those quarterbacks are comfortable with. Um, his arm strength really came to bite him. He was particularly inaccurate and he made decisions he shouldn't have made. And his day ended with a pick six where he just floated an out route behind Amir Smith-Marset. Patrick Sertan, the ninth overall pick that George Payton had, uh, picked it off, took it to the house. And it was like, that was kind of a fitting way for his day to end because his day was about that bad. Um, And then Kellen Mond came in and played out the rest of the game. So we got a lot of Kellen Mond. And Kellen Mond, uh, I didn't love it. I'm sorry. I I got a lot of heat for criticizing him. People are like, well, it's it's only like his fourth day of being on the team, which is, well, whose fault is that? Uh, And, you know, he's a rookie and he was only a third round draft pick. And, uh, you know, he's supposed to be a project. And I get that. Yeah, he is supposed to be a project. Absolutely. And for a project, and there are other project quarterbacks going in their first preseason games that were ahead of Kellen Mond. So what I saw from Kellen Mond, there were some pretty good plays where he would scramble and he would make things happen with his legs. That part of his game is there, and it's always been there. And they even ran some read option with him, which I think is exciting. They're, you know, tailoring the Kellen Mond part of the offense to Kellen Mond specifically. So if he did have to come and do a game, suddenly you're running read option against a defense that did not practice against read option that week. I think that rules. But Mond's accuracy was really spotty. And he would not square his feet the right way. So it's like golf. You're supposed to kind of have your feet are supposed to, if you draw a line from your back foot to your front foot, that line should point at what you're throwing at. And his stance was very open. And just like in golf, if your stance is open or if your club face is open, balls will not go where you want them to go. And so he was a little inaccurate because of that footwork problem. And his mechanics were fine at AM. I didn't hate them. I didn't love them. They were worse in this game. And that might sound alarming, but he's probably thinking a lot more because he's getting an NFL playbook under his under his uh, belt. And that is going to make you think a lot more. That's okay. But he's like, you kind of have to ha- go through this valley before you can come out the other side an NFL quarterback. Um, and the thing is, the real concern that I have with Kellen Mond, guys, I, I don't know if he knows much of the playbook. And he should probably know more of it by now. And I know he missed a long time with COVID, uh, but like he had, it could have been, he had the playbook then and he has had the playbook since April. And it seemed like they were really only able to run a certain amount of concepts, which kind of turned the offense, it like made it almost impossible to evaluate the wide receivers. And it turned the offense into this really kind of vanilla, only speed outs, only quick game. And there was like one bootleg flood type play and then like read option. It was a really... There was not a lot of variety, and I'm worried that that's because Kellen Mond is only comfortable with that many concepts, and if he's only comfortable with that many concepts, that's way, 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 way behind the curve for a guy that had a lot to learn in the first place. Now, he has a long time to catch up, long game here, you know, we're thinking a year or two out, so plenty of time for all this to turn around, but I think that's not exactly where you want to be at this particular benchmark. Plus, the offense that he ran was discombobulated, disorganized. There were a lot of miscommunications on the offensive line, which I don't know if that's on him or on Mason Cole, who was the center for, I think, most of the game. But either way, I think I just want to stick to the take of when Kirk Cousins throws an interception that you don't like, don't you dare call for Kellen Mond because Jake Browning's the next best guy and he didn't look so hot either. In fact, I thought Jake Browning looked worse than Kellen Mond, if only because Kellen Mond made something positive at all happen. I don't think there was a single rep from Jake Browning in the whole game that I actually liked. Um, so I kind of got owned on this game because I, degenerate that I am, bet on the Vikings plus two. 
<laughs> at betonline.ag. So that didn't work out. But I'm going to get right back on that saddle and I'm going to keep grambling on the Vikings. If you want to join me or gramble on whatever you want, other games, other teams, other sports, reality shows, award shows like the Oscars and stuff when that season rolls around, whatever you want, you can find it at betonline.ag. Just go to betonline.ag, set up an account for free if you haven't already. And if you haven't made your first deposit yet, do so. And there's a promo code you can enter locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 50% welcome bonus. That means if you put in a thousand bucks as part of your first deposit, BetOnline will slap 500 bucks in free play money right on top of that. You have 1500 bucks to gramble with just for entering the promo code locked on all one word at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, let's move on to uh, the rest of the offense. I've got a lot to go through here, so apologies if the show goes long, but I want to get through the roster. I want to talk about everybody here. So let's start next with the running backs. Of course, no Ham, no Cook, no Madison, and Kane Wangwu was supposed to get all of, like, a lot of the reps. Well, he hurt his knee on the opening kickoff. Mike Zimmer says it's not serious for however much faith you put in that. Uh, but it was the A.J. Rose show and a little bit of Amir Abdullah with Jake Vargas as the fullback. Now, Jake Vargas, after I went through and rewatched and I tallied up some of my opinions on plays, Jake Vargas was the one I ended up marking down with the best game. Uh, of the whole team on the entire roster was Jake Vargas. I thought he had a really, really nice game sealing off, doing lead blocks, um, you know, blowing guys up, not getting deconstructed. And so that it was a really good game for Jake Vargas and AJ Rose. Of course, he had this hundred yard game that everybody was talking about. Um, really good game for him. And it, he showed some burst. He he made about the right reads. He missed made a, a, a tackle miss or two. That'll get you a roster spot in this league. It might not get you a roster spot on the Vikings. Don't know if there's room for that. But, I mean, if Wang Wu's injury is worse than we thought, maybe, or something. But th- that gets you in pads somewhere. And, of course, you know, Amir Abdullah was fine. I thought he had a pretty nice day for Amir Abdullah. Uh, moving on to the wide receivers. Again, really difficult to judge these guys. Uh, but, of course, you kind of start the game with Amir Smith-Marset, who had a really, really tough game. Um, he lost some contested catches. He had trouble getting separation. Of course, he was the target on the bad pick six. Um, and he had a couple of big blunders on special teams as well, although he did have a nice kick return uh, after one of the Broncos' many scores. Uh, you had KJ Osborne, who didn't do a lot, uh, but I thought he was fine. I think he was like second on the team in receiving. Um, and again, it's hard to evaluate because they didn't exactly do a lot to like leverage things on the wide receivers. It seemed like they were really focusing a lot more on the run game and a lot more on the quick game, and that just doesn't leverage the receivers as much. Um, Dan Chisena didn't do a lot. He had a couple of opportunities. He lost a fade in the end zone. Wap Filer, uh, you probably remember his fourth down end zone drop. He could have caught a touchdown, but he he got it. Uh, he bobbled it, and then it got knocked away. Um, and then Warren Jackson was the only other one to get like any. Uh, to, for me to clock, I think Myron Mitchell caught like one tunnel screen and, and Warren Jackson ran the wrong route once. The tight ends were really interesting to me. Uh, so, of course, no Irv and no Conklin. But what I noticed was Brandon Dillon really having an up and down day. I thought he was good as a blocker and I thought he was atrocious as a receiver. And Zach Davidson had uh, a more balanced day. He had some bad plays. I marked him down for the he had a corner route in the end zone that was underthrown by Jake Browning and so it was broken up 
Um, I didn't give him too much credit for that because I think you should, you're a tight end, you should win those contested catches. Um, but it, he did get separation, and so there is something positive on that tape there. Um, and that was kind of the big play for him. He had another one where Kellen Mond missed him. He was pretty wide open. He, he did a good job finding the hole in the zone, and then Kellen Mond threw it behind and like way below him, and he couldn't haul that one in either, um, which I put more on Mond than I put on him. Um, so that was interesting. And I thought Shane Zilstra was pretty bad. So of those three tight ends, I wasn't really happy with any of them, but I think I was the least unhappy with Zach Davidson. Uh, but look, this is all kind of chalk. Not a lot of interesting stuff here. What, what do we really all want to talk about? We all want to talk about the offensive line. I, I know what you want. I know what drives you people. Uh, so let's talk about the offensive line. So the starting O-line from left to right was Blake Brandle. Uh, Drew Samia at left guard, Mason Cole at center, Dakota Dozier, and Zach Bailey actually got to start at right guard, which is a leap. He was behind Evan Kazarzik on the depth chart for most of camp and then le- leaped him in this game, which I found very interesting. And I think Blake Brando was one of the stars of the game. He actually played the entire game at left tackle, so they're really, really looking at him. And I think he has a really good shot at the roster. Right now, the Vikings have Rashad Hill, Christian Derrissaw, Brian O'Neill. Those are the only tackles. It used to be Ole Udo, but he's on the interior now. So they don't really have, after that, like Blake Brandle's the next in line, and I think he could get a roster spot, and I think he acquitted himself very, very well in this game. Um, For Samia and Dozier, obviously Dozier had a catastrophe of a game. He had a holding penalty in the end zone for his safety. He had a false start. He uh, had a sequence of, I think, five plays, and he was the culprit of of four of them failing, like in a row in the same drive. He was an absolutely catastrophic day. I honestly would not be surprised if you were listening to this to to be like, well, at least he got cut. We found out between the time I recorded this and the time it got to your ears. Uh, he was just unbelievably terrible. He was probably one of the worst players on the field. And I, I think he was the worst player on the entire offense in a game where the offense scored six points. Um, I, I thought Drew Samia, on the other hand, had a better game. Um, I, I kind of pointed him out, and it's really easy for me to notice when he does bad things. Uh, because, you know, he's Drew Samia and he has a reputation for it. But on rewatch, I noticed a lot of really good blocks up in the second level, a lot of really good run blocking, better pass protection. I don't know if it if it is or isn't too late for him to find a way on the roster. But if there is a path back to the roster for Drew Samia, it kind of it starts like this. That game had to look like that. And now he has to put more together like that. But I thought it was overall a pretty good game. I thought Mason Cole was very good. Um, I think he's probably a lock to make the roster as the backup center and, and also kind of a swing interior guy. Um, and then I thought Zach Bailey was very up and down. And then for the backup offensive lineman, um, Evan Kazarzik, I, I didn't think did very well. I didn't think Kyle Hinton did very well. And Cole Cabral, I only noticed him once and it was when he almost sailed a snap over Kellen Mond's head. So nothing great from the backup. Oh, well, but those guys are pretty far from the roster anyways. So that is the offense and we have to zip through the defense real quick. And so that's coming up. Don't go anywhere. But first, let me talk to you about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. Built Bar is absolutely delicious. They have nine awesome flavors, including cookies and cream, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, all kinds of delicious stuff you don't think you should be able to indulge in if you're trying to lose or maintain weight, but you can. It's a cheat day without cheating. Built Bars are low calorie, low sugar, low carb, high protein, and high fiber, and they're all covered in 100% chocolate. I recommend the sampler at BuiltBar.com. It gives you two of each of the nine flavors so you can try them, figure out what you like. And when you buy that or whatever you buy at BuiltBar.com, enter promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you can get 15% off of your order at BuiltBar.com. 
Com. I also want to talk to you about your car. I want to make sure you're taking care of your car. I want to make sure you're set up. You don't want to get stranded on the side of the road without the things you need. If you need a tire repair kit, like jumper cables, you, you, you don't want to need it and not have it. And you can get all that stuff or more uh, advanced supplies. If you need gaskets, if you're a do-it-yourselfer and you really want to you know, build an engine, you can get all the parts you need at Rock Auto. Just enter the year, make, and model of your car. They'll do all the research for you and present you with a whole bunch of options that are compatible with your car. And you can save a buck as well because they're letting you buy directly from the manufacturers and cut out that middleman, the pesky brick and mortar auto shops that upcharge their retail customers. When you go to rockauto.com at checkout, there's a how you heard about us section. Let them know there that Locked On sent you because if you don't, the bunnies will jaywalk and they won't stop jaywalking until you let Rock Auto know that Locked On sent you. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. So let's move on to the defense. And I want to start on the defensive line where a bunch of interesting things happened. I think one of the most interesting things was that James Lynch was the nose tackle for most of the game. And I would characterize his game the same way I would characterize Wyatt Davis's, who I totally forgot to talk about with the offensive line. Um, Wyatt Davis had a very up and down game. He had a whole bunch of highlights and a whole bunch of lowlights. And I thought James Lynch had a very similar thing. Not quite as extreme as Wyatt Davis's. Uh, but it was like highlights and lowlights. And he is gunning for a roster spot that's really difficult. But if he's competing with Armin Watts for that fourth defensive tackle spot, Armin Watts had an abysmal game. I thought he got his butt kicked and James Lynch did not. So if you're just going off of this one game, and I think it, we kind of get to the question of, you know, camp did not go that way. Armin Watts had a fantastic camp and James Lynch was whatever. But James Lynch had a better game. Armin Watts did not. Who do you roster there? And I think, you know, obviously the next two preseason games will help sort that out. But we're in this interesting conundrum where James Lynch might have gotten a little bit of ground back and actually given himself a decent shot by not even having the best game, but by the guy in front of him kind of falling apart. And we see this a lot. You know, Dakota Dozier falls apart. Wyatt Davis might be able to jump him on the depth chart. Another guy that fell apart, Jalen Holmes. I thought Jalen Holmes was the single worst Viking on the field on Saturday. Um, I, I don't know if like PFF agrees with me or if you guys agree with me on that or not, but for my money, Jalen Holmes was the worst. He got absolutely bullied. He played both edge rusher and inside. He was terrible at both. His pass rushes were lackadaisical, and he looked like he lacked energy. And I'm, I'm, I'll never accuse a player of like not putting in the full effort or anything like that, but if you look at how hard everybody else was playing, if you look at how hard A.J. Rose was running, A.J. Rose was running for his career and he and he was it's true like this is the best most important football AJ Rose has ever played in his life and he was running like that Jalen Holmes looked like he knew he was in an exhibition game and, and that kind of bugs me not that he's you know not putting in all the effort or anything like that of course he's doing more than I could ever hope to but I just didn't see any juice from him especially across from him a guy like Patrick Jones who had a great game I thought especially against the run um, he was knifing in. He was in the backfield all the time. He missed a couple tackles. I'm not too worried about that at all because they were at awkward angles. It wasn't really his gap and stuff. Um, you know, Weatherly and Wanham played. I didn't think they had the best game. I didn't think they had the worst game. Um, I, I kind of wanted to see a little bit more from them. But of course, you know, it was also the first team Broncos O-line. So it's not like you're saying, ah, oh, they got beat up by twos or anything like that. But I'm slightly disappointed. I'm like further undisappointed than I am on unsatisfied with them. Uh, but I, I don't know. No, no alarms are sounding. And then, of course, there's Janarius Robinson. 
uh, who I, I had a much better game than I anticipated. He was not the best guy on the field uh, by a long shot, and you can still kind of tell how raw he is, but you can also tell how athletic he is. He almost got an interception just kind of based on speed getting out of the e- out to the edge and just beating the tackle. Um, he was in the backfield, I-, I think, one more time than I expected him to be, and that was really, really encouraging. So a good game from the rookies on the defensive line um, and the kind of dying veteran breed guys like Jalen Holmes and Hercules Mata'afa I didn't think had had as good a game. There's also, of course, Jordan Brailford, who I saw him get pancaked once, and on Sunday he got cut. So <laughs> the Vikings actually, by Tuesday, have to cut the roster down to 85. So uh, he and Turner Bernard, one of the long snappers, were the first two of those. Blake Prohl will go on IR. It'll count for another one, but we got a couple more cuts. We'll cover them when we get to them. As for the linebackers, it was a little more difficult to surmise. Um, Cameron Smith was, I thought, having a decent game, and then he went down with a concussion. I thought Troy Dye had an okay game. It was another very up-and-down game. I thought Chaz Surratt had a pretty good game. Uh, Nick Vigil didn't play. But I really think the star of the linebacker crew for me was Ryan Connolly. Ryan Connolly has been absolutely on fire in these practices against the Broncos and in this game. I don't know if it's just he really gets their protections and he's able to knife into the backfield all the time, but his run fits were fantastic. He was making plays. He was playing aggressively. He was playing fast. He was playing like the game was really slow for him, and that's really encouraging. I think Ryan Connolly is honestly, at this juncture, the best competition Nick Vigil has for the third linebacker spot, and if Connolly keeps playing like this, he might actually go win that job, even though Vigil didn't have to play in this game because he's holding that job. Um, And Blake Lynch didn't play also, which I found kind of interesting. And then you had uh, Tuff Borland, who I thought was fine, and Christian Ellis, who got one. I, the only time I noticed him was when he got a 15-yard penalty. Uh, as for the secondary, secondary was a little more interesting, wasn't it? So there, let's talk about the big, long KJ Hamler touchdown. Drew Locke hits KJ Hamler wide open with Cameron Dantzler like six steps behind him, uh, and it's big, long, like I think like a 70-yard touchdown or something. So that's bad, right? And what I saw and uh, on the Vikings broadcast, I think it was Bursich or somebody, I don't know, whoever the color guy for Paul Allen is, um, was kind of saying, well, Cameron Bynum sucked up too much on the play action, and Dantzler tries to pass him off, and there's no one to pass him off to, so he's wide open. And I think that's more or less what happened. Um, Dantzler plays an outside leverage, and I thought he turned well, and I thought that he just uh, kind of got outsped by KJ Hamler, who's like stupid fast. Um, and I think I, I I blame Bynum more for it than I blame Cameron Dantzler. Most people are blaming Cameron Dantzler. I saw like on Twitter after that play, people wanted to throw Cameron Dantzler into a volcano. Um, and, and I just don't think that's quite fair. Although I do think Dantzler's technique was a little bit clunky and a little slower than it should have been. But I think that one is like... 70-30 on Cameron Bynum for sucking up on the play action, abandoning his zone, and he didn't read it. I mean, he went 15 yards before he read that the the play fake was a fake. You got to be a little bit better than that. Um, for other corners, though, Chris Boyd was one of the better uh, play players on the whole game because he shut down Jerry Judy. And Jerry Judy got two really important targets, a go ball down the sideline and a fourth down slant in the in the like infrared zone in the like inside the five. And he was in good coverage on both of those. The go ball was uh, not catchable. There wasn't really a window. And the slant, he actually broke up. And that was a really good game. He had some other blemishes and stuff, but it's not a huge deal. Good game for Chris Boyd. Uh, I thought a decent game for Harrison Hand as well. He had a couple of plays where he kind of got beat. And he got beat like one too many times for me, but eh, nothing I'm too mad about. And I think Dylan Mabin was one of the worst players on the field. He got smoked on a fade. He got kind of killed a whole bunch of times. Took bad angles in the run. Um, he looked, he, he might be one of those guys that gets cut like this week. 
Uh, and then in terms of the safeties, you have this really interesting dynamic with Bynum and then Josh Metellus and Miles Dorn kind of competing. Miles Dorn got the start. Um, Miles Dorn, I thought, started out really well and, and made a couple of really good plays, especially in the run. And then he kind of missed a tackle and then he would make the bad calls. Um, Mike Zimmer actually specifically called out the safeties as something he was frustrated with because they were making the wrong checks. And he actually called out that KJ Hamler touchdown. And he said, why did we leave him one on one? Um, kind of, and, and he gives the safeties agency to like make that decision, like on the field because they can, you know, make the decision at the line of scrimmage and it's easier to make calls that way. Um, and so he goes, you know, why did you leave that guy one-on-one? That's not the alignment rules. Like, that's not what you should have done. You should know that guy's fast. He'd been burning you for the last two days. You should know better. Um, so Dantzler shouldn't have been one-on-one with with KJ Hamler. He probably should have kept up with KJ Hamler. Um, but I'm, uh, I, I think more it reflects more on the mental side and why that coverage was called and why Bynum did call it the way he did um, is I think the, the bigger thing at issue here, but on the whole, I thought Cameron Bynum was the best safety on the field on Saturday, followed by Josh Metellus followed by miles Dorn. That's the way I would put them. Uh, Metellus had a couple of really, really awesome plays. One of them in special teams. um, And I think he actually got himself closer to a roster spot he, I, I don't know if he overtakes Dorn uh, entirely, but he definitely, like, closed the gap. And I thought Luther Kirk actually made some interesting plays as well. He was in there in the fourth quarter of that game. He's, like, just too far off to, like, make the roster. But, hey, you know, put that guy on the practice squad again, you know. Or maybe, you know, he gets a shot with someone else's roster or anything like that. And then on special teams, Greg Joseph made both of, both of his kicks. Neither of them were particularly long. Um, of course, like I said, Turner Bernard got cut. Andrew DePaola, I thought, did a pretty good job as the long snapper. There was one punt snap that I didn't like. And Britton Colquitt's punts were, oh my god, atrocious. Oh my goodness, were those some bad punts. They were high and short and, uh, they, I mean, they were like 35 net yard fair catches. It was really, really weird because the snaps were good and everything else was fine, but Britton Colquitt was doing really bad, and Mike Zimmer called him out after the game. So that is a, definitely a situation to watch, see if somebody else cuts their punter and their punter battle, or if uh, they they ride it out with Colquitt and say, well, you're a good holder, and that's really important too. Um, and generally on special teams, I also, again, I wanted to shout out uh, Josh Metellus for having some good plays. I thought Ryan Connolly did a good job. I thought uh, AJ Rose did a good job on special teams, as did Jake Bargus who, again, you know, had a, a fantastic game. So there are definitely good players and bright spots on the team, and the cream rises. You know, Jalen Holmes cost you a bunch of plays. Well, he might just get cut over that. Dakota Dozier might just get cut over that. So don't panic about the 33-6 to loss to the Broncos. It is a, a tool with which to learn, and boy, howdy, did we learn about the Vikings roster. Tomorrow is Twitter Tuesday, so send me your questions about all of this at LukeBronNFL on Twitter or at LockedOnVikings on Twitter, or you can use the Google form in the show notes. I'll see you all tomorrow for that. In the meantime, check out the Locked On Bets podcast. That'll get your gambling squared away. You can find that wherever you find your favorite shows. It's a daily show on gambling hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. I will see you all tomorrow, and as always, skull.